This is Tax Chats. Hello, I'm Scott Dyring. And I am Jeff Hoops. And we're here to chat about taxes. Hello again, and welcome to another edition of Tax Chats. I'm Scott Dyring, professor of accounting at Duke University, and I am joined, as always, by the Tax Museum curator, my friend, accounting professor extraordinaire at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, Jeff Hoops. Hello, Jeff. I was a little bit more vigorous and enthusiastic than usual. It's been a long time since we recorded, although some people have been seeing the recordings episodes be released we haven't recorded for i believe like seven weeks and the reason we haven't recorded for seven weeks jeff is i've been missing missing in action jeff has not been sitting in the tax museum where he currently sits instead he has been on a little tour of europe visiting several of their prominent universities and probably being a tourist as well Yep, everything. Everything all at once. So I did a few uh, weeks visit at Oxford University and a few weeks visit at Mannheim University. These both have excellent tax faculty, a lot to learn there about taxes, and also certainly did some touring. And so what we were hoping to do today is I came back with a many tax observations. Things that I saw while on the road. Little Tax tidbits, if you see, if you might. But a lot of them... Uh, but you, you don't even know for sure if they are tax Yeah, they tidbits. might not have anything to do with taxes, but they might have something to do with taxes. So there are things <laughs> that I thought, I thought, hmm, there's something to do with taxes. And so what I'm going to do is tell Scott something that I saw, and he's going to guess why I think it might have something to do with taxes. Okay? And to be clear, um, I have not done any research... To know whether these things actually have something to do with taxes. Yeah, so Scott... And they might not. I sent the list of things to Scott. I don't know how closely he thought about them, but I did not tell him any of my hypotheses. I did not tell him any of the... So this is just... We're going at it. Telling him what I saw. Okay, you ready for this? Uh, I can't wait. Okay, number one thing I saw. I rented cars and drove in both England, France... And Germany and Austria, I guess. I drove from Germany and Austria. And out on the road, I, as every time I've been in Europe, am just startled by the number of small cars pulling trailers. Like in the US, unilateral. Like, like camper trailers? Like camper, mostly camper trailers, yeah. They're not pulling boats. They're not, I actually saw a couple planes being pulled, like uh, ultralight gliders being pu- pulled in little boxes, um, but pulling trailers. Basically, no pickup trucks. Um, so what do you think, why do you think that has anything to do with taxes? Uh, well, okay, so if you ask me why it is that Europeans pull their camper trailers with small cars, yep. I can think of a variety of non-tax explanations. For example, okay. um, they don't have space to have an extra Ford F-350 laying around in the giant garage on their three-acre estate. I don't think most Americans so, have an extra 350. They just have a 350 instead of a small car. It's not like every American has a smart car and a 350. They just got the they got the truck. True. Um, but many have both a car and a truck. My guess is most Europeans are more like one-vehicle households. We are often two or three or four or 
I happen to know one of my brothers is like a seven vehicle household. Um, so that's one thing, but, and, and here's another thing. I think many of their cars, now this is a, this is a, uh, mechanical explanation. Many of their cars are diesels. Diesels have more torque. They might be more capable of pulling a camper trailer than a typical gasoline. Oh, so engine that's passenger interesting. Vehicle. I didn't think about that. All three, car, well, all three cars that I, I had got a lot of people. So some of my cars were bigger, but all three of the cars that I drove were diesel. Whereas my, the truck that I own here in North Carolina is normal old gas. And of course, horsepower can be different, but the torque, which kind of factors into pulling trailers could be very different. But here's like, um, I, I, I guess, I guess I don't know exactly why it would have anything to do with taxes other than it might just be very heavily taxed to own more than one vehicle. And so you just tow it with what you have. That would be my guess. Okay. Tow it with what you have. I like that explanation. Why might you have different kind of vehicles? Oh, well, that's probably, okay, so an obvious explanation would be that fuel prices are, like, way higher in Europe than they are here. And okay, that like how, how much higher? This, 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 I mean, I've granted, granted cars in Europe before. You buy the gas. It's just crazy how expensive it is. Like, usually when I go to the EU or the UK, I have this mental trick that I play where I basically just assume pounds are dollars and euros are dollars. And really, it's like a, a pound is way more than a dollar. And so by assuming pounds or dollars, my cheap self is able to stay happy because I think everything is cheaper than it actually is. Do you is. also assume that liters are gallons? And I literally came up with like, it, I'm fine if I just assume a liter is a gallon <laughs> because because it was like three, it's like two euros a liter. And I was like, okay, so two, do- two dollars a gallon. Two dollars a euro gallon, is a dollar, fine. which actually right now it is. And a yeah. liter is a gallon. Then you're like, happy, yeah, two dollar right? gallon. But that's good. I can do that. I can swing that. And then until you fill it up, it's like 120 euros to fill up this giant thing. Um, so, so Jeff is there sitting with like the Google conversion calculator, trying to figure out how much he's actually paying. Literally, can't even think about it. it makes me too sick. But I think that a lot of the reason, or some of the reasons, certainly is you just drive, you pull with what you own and you own way smaller cars because gas prices are way expensive. And part of that is the tax per gallon is way more. I mean, I drove in Austria uh, and look at this webpage right now, the gas tax per gallon in 2017 in Austria was $2 and 17 cents per gallon. The tax, the tax in Austria, wow. 217, Finland, 297, France, 278. Again, this is the tax foundation in 2017. Um, whereas the United States, 56 cents. Okay, All right, so, I have another more practical explanation. I like the tax explanation. So but here's you another. just pull with what you have and gas is so expensive that you just, you gotta, you gotta economize on fuel. Yeah, I, I, I believe that actually. I think that at the margin is almost certainly in effect. So the tax on gas, and by the way, there are many people in, America who wish we would have a higher tax on gas so that we could discourage driving and encourage the use of alternative fuels or something like that. Now, here's another explanation. Okay. Can you imagine driving a Ford F-350 on the streets of England? So when I was startled, I, I had not driven, I had driven in Germany before and not driven in France or England. I had not driven in Austria. I was startled in England how narrow the roads were. They just have like no... <laughs> no respect for like okay two cars actually need to pass by not each other. only are they narrow many of their two lane roads are just one lane actually and you just and kinda, they're lined by stone walls so you can't like stone walls it's crazy yeah <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Uh, just for those of you who don't know, I also spent like uh, five months or six months at the University of Oxford a few years ago. So I did my fair share of driving on those narrow roads. And not only did they drive on the wrong side of the road, it actually doesn't matter because there isn't two sides of the road. It's just one driving side of the, the road. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like which side of the oncoming car you want to collide with when it comes along. Okay, so that's yeah. the first fact. We can't dwell too okay. much on this, but I do high think, gas taxes. I think high gas taxes certainly on the margin are going to influence what you drive, and you pull what you own with what you drive. Okay. Okay. I mean, certainly there's a lot of other explanations. Like, give me number two. We might have to be more quick, but okay. yeah, that's all right. It's okay. good. <clears throat> okay. I think Europeans in general. This is getting a little more rougher. Pay, use coins more often. They use coins more often. Coins more often. And cash as well, especially in Germany. I know France and England were more, kind of most places would accept a credit card, but um, Germany, more cash. And also even in England and France, likewise in front of, you know, I can, I can go to Walmart here and a, a long line of people in front of me, everybody will just swipe a card, swipe, 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 swipe. Over there, many people pull out cash and play in, Paying euros or pounds. Yeah, I do remember going to Tesco, the grocery store there in uh, Oxford, and um, we often, yeah, we pay, we paid with uh, we paid with cash quite frequently, although sometimes with a card. Okay. And a lot of people had like the, um, uh, the like you know the one pound coin was fairly common. So my, I guess I don't really know why that would be unless there. Here's my. I don't know if this is true. My now I know we're going to a tax explanation. So my guess is. There um, is a tax on electronic transactions. I don't know, there no might idea. be. Who knows? That's my guess. No, nothing to do with that. Okay, here's, okay, here's two it? related things. Okay, so in- oh wait, 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 no, 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 I have an idea. Okay, go. I think that <laughs> this is crazy. The marginal personal tax rates are so high they like to do a lot of stuff under the table, so they pay with cash. So when I talked with one. German professor, he thought that that was certainly true in Germany, that a lot of the, especially smaller restaurants there, had to pay with cash. So that was one explanation. He thought you have a high, well, it's not that necessarily it's high, you have a high VAT rate, a value-added tax. Um, you have high individual rates, but you paid in cash to avoid taxes. I would say that is one of the two reasons. So, so evidence that Taxes drive some of the economy okay, this underground. Is just, this is completely just my guessing, right? Okay. So, yeah. that, and he agreed with that when I talked to him about it. He actually was also talking about in the city we're at, there's actually some small mafia involvement. And he saw, thought some of these restaurants were like fronts for mafia or something like that. But, okay. That, aside, okay. aside from the mafia. So, I think just like in the US, the acceptance of cash is certainly a tax avoidance mechanism. It's much harder to uh, track cash. You don't get receipts. It's certainly harder to hot it harder to audit transactions conducted in tax. That's one reason. Okay. Are you ready for my second reason? So this is just completely my just thinking this through. Okay. In many EU countries, including I believe the UK and France and Germany, uh, value added tax exists. I mean, all they exist in all the EU countries, but it's included in the price. So if I see a box of Jaffa cakes is two pounds. I don't have to pay 240. I pay two pounds. The VAT is already in there, which gives you, in some cases, especially for smaller transactions, like a few things, and especially in restaurants, it's, uh, nice round numbers. What do you think about that? 
Well, I mean, are you just saying they don't break out the? I'm like, saying if you have a sales item? tax of six point five percent, yeah, you'll never get a nice round number. Whereas for a lot of transactions, it was three pounds, three pounds fifty. Yeah. Because the value tax asking, is already included and they kind of already adjusted the price so that with the VAT, it was round. What do you think? I have no idea. No, I just I, felt uh, like, and again, I have no empirical basis. I felt like a lot of the sums that I ended up paying were rounder numbers. So, I mean, are they just creating rounder sums so it's easier to pay with cash? So it's know. easier to keep the economy underground? I don't know. Sounds like a research paper brewing in the mind of Jeffrey L. Hoops. It could be. I mean, sir, but I did feel like rounder numbers are more the norm. Um, and again, but, but why wouldn't they? Well, like, it seems natural if you're thinking of a restaurant price. In a restaurant here, it's never like a hamburger is some completely arbitrary non-round number. It's often round-ish. Anyways. Yeah. Four for $4 at Wendy's. And when you multiply that by the sales tax, it becomes unround. Well, if you're going to come up with a price that already includes the VAT to put on your menu, might end up being round. Anyways. Maybe you would just put five for five, but what you don't know is buried in that five instead of four for four. Actually, you need to do five for four for five. Yeah. Anyways, that's a, that's a little bit of... Interested to see if any listeners have any thoughts on that, but I felt like more numbers were round, which facilitates the use of paying with change. All right. So if you're listening and you're a European and you happen to be crazy enough to actually listen to what Jeff and I have to say, and you know the answer to that question, email Jeff or me, but and, probably email Jeff. Yeah. All right. Here's the next thing I saw, and I know this. So the last one is very, could be completely wrong. This one I know. Because I've heard this story okay. many times from different people. So this is like a quiz where there actually is an answer. <clears throat> there is a correct answer. I I saw with my own eyes, and I stood on the largest wine barrel in the world. The largest wine barrel. Okay. Okay. So. Yep. So you're that, what does it have to do with taxes? A large wine barrel. Why does it have to do with taxes? What does it? Well, More my than, guess it, is that some. It has a large, it's 50, more than 50,000 gallon capacity. Well, my guess is at some point, some country, probably like France, they decided to tax wine based on a per barrel basis, not on a, some sort of typical volume. And so it's like, well, we can make a barrel of any size. So if we want to get around the tax, we'll just make a barrel that's like 50 times bigger than it should be or 5,000 oh, times bigger than it should be. That is such a good guess. If it wasn't Am I right? so wrong. <laughs> really? Yeah, so wrong. Okay, so this okay, is what the, is it? the well-known Heidelberg Tune uh, is the name of this wine barrel. It's in Heidelberg, which is like a half an hour away from Mannheim. It's the largest. This is Germany. This is Germany. Yep, the largest. Are the Germans known for their wine? I mean, I hear about French wine and Italian yeah, wine. But... Wine all over there. Wine okay. up and down that, that side of the world. Um, okay. So basically the... Um, ruler, whatever he was, a king, a prince, some kind of thing, lived in this castle in Heidelberg Castle and they collected tax in kind, right? So this is well before you had a wide acceptance of some kind of uh, currency. And so you had to pay your taxes. You were a uh, wine maker and you paid your taxes in wine. And this person had to have a place to put all the taxes. So it was basically... So he collected all the wine taxes in one giant wine one, barrel? 
giant barrel. Okay, so hold on. This is like when I take my kids to McDonald's and they ask for a soda and I relent and I buy them a soda and they go over to the fountain drinks and they go down the line and they take a little bit of every kind. So it was, I guess we were just mixing all kinds of different wines. All different kinds of wines from different veneers, different grades, different vintages. It was well known that it was like a disgusting wine. Um, I, I, as I've read about it more, it's like often it wasn't actually even used. You just kind of like built it cause it was cool to have the biggest wine barrel in the world. But when it was used, it was used to, it was the tax coffer. And they actually also the, uh, built the a dance McDonald's floor. Soda cocktail. Also built a, um, uh, dancing floor on top of it. So you could dance on top of the 50,000 <laughs> 50, gallon wine barrel. Yeah. Heidelberg tune. You should also see it. It's, it's I'm going to say that the dreams of very wealthy people have changed over time. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> uh, next thing. You ready? Okay. Number four, I guess. I can't actually, I think, yeah, we're on four. Okay. So I walked into the business school there at Oxford where I was visiting for a little while. And I saw Said School of Business. Said School of Business. So I saw on the monitor as business schools, you got monitors all over the place. I have no idea why we think it's so fascinating. You have monitors all over. I noticed Boris Johnson resigned. Okay. The morning that old Boris threw in the towel, I was there yep. in Oxford. What 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 does that have to do with taxes? Boris Johnson's resignation? Uh, I mean, I didn't follow it as closely as I probably should have. Yeah, maybe we don't spend as much time with this, but I thought it was fascinating. So basically, Boris Johnson resigned, so you got to get somebody from his party to like come and replace him. You get all these people coming. And it seemed to me, like following the British news, one of the biggest things that they're competing on was who was going to lower the tax rate. So they like, Well, I did hear today on some amazing source like Twitter that one of the leading candidates for prime minister was uh, desirous to withdraw from the OECD base erosion and profit sifting project because this person felt like it might give them greater flexibility to lower taxes. Yeah, so they're all promising to lower taxes. So that that was, I thought was interesting. It's like the first place we went as far as campaign promises were lower taxes. Where, I mean, in the last, you know, why the last, oh, 10 years, 15 years, the UK's lowered taxes several times times actually especially corporate taxes so uh but that's the connection boris resigns so what might the boris resigns and now the campaign what, is about lowering what, taxes what might the english get well they might get lower taxes okay so now another famous english person i visited isaac newton's place of work okay well i do know something about this because i read an entire book which you probably don't know that i did read but i did you read a book the book, I don't read books very often. Uh, I listen to them, actually, and I, and I listen to this book. I shouldn't say I read it. I listened to it on Audible. Yep. It was called Money for Nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised to learn that one of the key characters in the book Money for Nothing was Sir Isaac Newton. Okay. So I think I have an idea what Isaac Newton has to do with taxes. You tell, me what, you're asking? Got, you tell me what he's got to do with tax. And actually, there's probably well, a lot of things he has to do with tax. So if you tell me something more interesting so that I have already. So after Isaac Newton went home during their own pandemic, not COVID, but like bubonic plague, and kind of came up with the amazing laws of physics that he uh, wrote down and came back and became famous for, then he was appointed to go basically run the treasury for the King of England. He was the master of the Royal Mint. 
Master of the Royal Mint. And isn't that a much better? Isn't that a bu- much better name than the uh, like Secretary of the Treasury or the Finance yeah, Minister? Master or something of like the Royal I'd Mint. I'd much yes. rather be the Master of the Royal Mint. And what was kind of fascinating to me about the book called the book uh, Money for Nothing was that these sort of thinkers in England at the time were using their mathematical skills to do things like compute interest and come up with payments, which is sort of the foundation of modern finance. And Isaac Newton was very prominent in the creation of modern finance and government finances. So I think that's probably why you went there. So I do. uh, His, his position as master of the Royal Mint is very related so one thing that he, two problems that they had. So he was there from 1699 to 1726. And one problem they had in England at that time in the mint was counterfeiting. And, you know, the second problem, like kind of like counterfeiting, mm-hmm. clipping. You know about clipping? Oh, well, yeah, I know about the clipping. Ah, clipping. I didn't realize that was during Isaac Newton's thing. But the clipping was basically you shave off the edge of your gold coin and then you melt it down and make a new gold shave coin. Shave off the edge of a gold or silver coin to take that uh, bullion and create more coins. And so he... So did Isaac Newton come up with the ridges? Was that his invention? Uh, I don't know if he came up with the ridges. I should know that, but it was da- during his time period. He fought very hard against counterfeiting. And the tax tie-in, of course, is... With all of the this uh, clipping that happened during Isaac Newton's, is they had to pass a tax. And so, what tax did they pass? Is that the window tax? The window tax. It, the no na- way. The name of the window tax is an act for granting to His Majesty several rates or duties upon houses for making good the deficiency of the clipped money. Okay, so I know about the window tax. And actually, I'm curious, when you walked around England, did you notice all of the uh, so old, on old other, buildings? On other trips, I have noticed this. I did not see any this time, actually. Because, I, th- I mean, you, you especially notice them when you take those bus tours around London, because they'll point them out and yeah. they'll say, I did not take the bus tour. I wanted to include that in this list, but I did not today, because I didn't actually see any of this trip. Yeah, so what we're referring to is that the window tax... The government needed revenue. They decided to tax rich people. But how can you determine if someone is rich? Oh, how many windows do they have in their house? It's Only rich a, people have lots of windows. A, presum- so a presumptive what, tax is the official term. A presumptive tax. And the easy something. way to get around that tax is brick up your windows. And some of those windows are still bricked up to this day, and you can see them in England. Yeah, and we created that tax to make good the deficiency of the clipped money. Very fascinating. Okay. So everybody out there who thinks Isaac Newton was just a great physicist should know he was also a great financier. A master, a master of the Royal Mint from 1699, master of the mint. 1699 to 1727. Okay. <clears throat> Are you done? Uh, yeah, I'm done. Well, I mean, we like have other things we trip. could talk about, but I think I'm done. <laughs> you look, I can see well, from your face you're, you're exhausted. The tax thinking. I how could one possibly be exhausted learning about the odd things that Jeff observed in Europe that have something to do with taxes? That might have something to do with Might that. have something to do. Everything. <laughs> Jeff, you and I know everything has something to do with taxes. Everything's it's taxes. just a fact of life. Yep. Well, that's that's very interesting, Jeff. So, um, and, and I guess you also probably talked to a lot of people over there about um, what's going on with the OECD and the base erosion uh, and profit shifting project. Especially in um, Oxford, it's like everything all the time was base erosion and profit shifting. 
OECD. All right. We'll have yep. to, we'll have to have another episode where we follow up on your experiences there. And, um, the world is moving. I mean, the Americans are passing tax laws. In fact, they passed some last week, which we'll talk about soon. Um, this is right now it's mid August. So this is uh, mid August and they're passing laws and they're going to be signed soon by the president. And exciting yeah, times. The exciting world times of tax, tax keeps evolving. Yep. All right. Well, if there's no final questions, Nothing. I think it's time to call it a wrap. Yes, you ready sir. to call it a wrap? Yes, sir. All right. I'm Scott Dyering. This is Tax Chats. I'm joined, as always, by Jeff Hoops, who's now back in the United States of America, sitting in the Tax Museum. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.